Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is a podcast part of the Ministry League Network of Podcasts and brought to you by Holly Hill Church of Christ and Goodwood Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Morning, sunshine. Morning. <laughs> it's it's afternoon for me. But, um, it uh, is. It is afternoon for you. It's not afternoon for me yet. So. Nope. Uh, about lunchtime. Maybe lunchtime. You, right? yeah. uh, just about. I hope if you're watching, I hope you're you brought your lunch to eat with us. Uh, I would be eating with you, but I saw the dentist today, and uh, I'm a little sore. So today will be a soup day, and I'm not too upset about that. Uh, we'll go to we'll pick up some Panera bread tonight. So I'm, you know, I like Panera bread. Nothing like over, you know, paying too much money for soup, but it's good soup. So that's the. I'm point. glad. I'm glad you're not eating uh, with them because I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't want you eating in the middle of our podcast. That would be a little. This, uh, that's right. <laughs> stuff in your face in the middle of the comments. We have to. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's it, it would make for a good story. It would make for that's a right. good story. It would make one day. for a good story. Um, make for a good story, man. We've had um, you know stories stories to tell, and uh, Jonathan and I were talking. I of course I knew Jonathan was a huge fan of storytelling, um, and I came across this this little book called Epic. When I was back at Oklahoma Christian with uh, uh, Robert Gregg, who was a um, minister in Yukon, Oklahoma, and uh, man, side note, this bothers me about Streamyard. Like I when that. I click an overlay, this other banner should go the away. The banner, I but agree. It doesn't. Anyway, uh, he introduced me to this book called Epic. Um, and it's a short little book. Um, you can sit down and read it probably in the span of uh, an hour and a half or two hours if you're a if you're a slow reader. Um, if you're a fast reader, you can probably adjust it faster than that. But really, just a, a powerful book about um, the story that God is telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I sent it to Jonathan. and I was like, "Hey, you need to read this, and I think it'd be good to uh, talk about it on our podcast sometime." Just to um, talk about storytelling and, and the narrative of God and how how we fit into that. So for the next uh, few weeks, uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be doing that. It's written by John Eldridge, um, and the book is called Epic: The Story God Is Telling. Um, it's a it's a worthy read. What did you think of it when you read it? Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't actually. I'm a fairly quick reader, but it took me a little while to read it, uh, based off of things that were going on, uh, traveling and mm-hmm. and the such. But I, but I sat down and I read it in two sittings, uh, broke it up, and I really enjoyed it. I liked how throughout the book was, you know, scripture that fit right in with what he was saying. And then all of a sudden there's a quote from The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, hey, I recognize this stuff right here. And then you see at the end of his little paragraph who he's, uh, you know, that it is from uh, uh, one of the greats. You could say, and he does that with several different uh, authors and uh, 
great books of, of our time. And it really kind of put it in perspective of just storytelling, how storytelling is everywhere and how there's different parts of storytelling. And in our lives, we are in a section of a, a story. And, and I think that's um, good for us to realize. And it can help mm -hmm. us in how we live life, where we don't maybe remove pressure, but also add some pressure that might motivate us to continue doing uh, be playing our role in this story. And uh, right. so it's, it's exciting. Well, we've been talking the last couple of uh, episodes, I guess not the last couple of weeks. Last week we were off because uh, you were uh, in the car with a with a baby, and that, uh, that didn't pose yes. itself to conducive to podcasting. But uh, He had a blowout right before we were supposed to go live. And yeah. uh, so, viewers, I did you a favor. <laughs> Until now, <laughs> when now they have the... A mental image of that. But, Correct, uh, but screaming toddler was was not ideal. Yeah. yeah so we've been talking infant. the last couple of weeks about, uh, yeah, right, telling you know your story and, and using that as a way of kind of evangelism because one of the things which we'll get into and have talked about previously is just the fact that um, as humans created in the image of God, we are, um, I think, I think created for story. Uh, mm -hmm. Our our need, our our makeup, our personality, our character, um, you know, has this desire built within us. It's in our DNA um, to be a part of story. So, no, absolutely, and and I think it, we all like to hear stories, whether we like to hear someone else telling a story or we like to be the one telling the story. Humans are fascinated with stories mm -hmm. uh, when we're at retreats for you know i was just i was at a youth ministry retreat not too long ago and story time was great uh we have a guy there that that's great at telling a story and uh lessons learned with fill in the blank guy's name and uh, it's hilarious and it's super exciting and encouraging but we all like hearing it and then sometimes we like sharing our stories because that's how we communicate. If you didn't, if you only communicated on just pure facts, even the news is a story. It's not just pure facts. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what the news is telling you, they're not just giving you straight facts. There's a narrative. There's a story behind it. They're not saying today weather was this and this happened and this happened. No, they're 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 <laughs> giving it with an overarching story to keep you listening. No, and I give, like, them such, I give them such grief, too, when they come on with the weather headlines, you know? Um, and, like, I just... Oh, but I get it. It captures people's attention, yep. um, and it holds them there because it was just sun and, you know, 72 and 52, and this is what it's going to look like for the next three weeks. Blah, blah, five blah. seconds, weather's over. I mean, right. I could give the weather in about five seconds, but the weather gets like 15 minutes, <laughs> right? I mean, what is this? But no, yeah. it's because that's that's how we have to communicate. Not we don't have to, but it's it's how we're. I think well, actually, that's, I think we've been designed to communicate that way. We've been designed to communicate in the art of storytelling. Right. And um, so today we're going to go through. We're going to look at uh, the first first couple of sections of this book and 
Look, if you haven't read the book, it it's okay. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that really kind of made us think. Um, I guess maybe there's a few little spoilers, but uh, certainly not enough to, uh, you know, you'll get the gist of the book, but it's uh, it's worth reading anyway. So we're going to go through the uh, the prologue and then the first uh, act that that John talks about here in in Epic. Um, he asked this uh, in the prologue. He talks about what it is about story, and and he brings this thing up. Really, kind of strikes me where you know, he says story is how we figure out where we figure things out and it's how we discover things. Um, mm-hmm. And so if somebody walked into your office right now with, you know, a bandage over their forehead and a black eye and a bloody lip, what's going to be the first words out of your mouth? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I go to, uh, oh, I don't know if this is, Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy is one of my all-time favorite slapstick movies. Um, and at one point, Chris Farley, David Spade has this classic Mustang that Chris Farley is just destroying. Um, and he leaves the door open while he backs up at a gas pump and ends up folding the driver's door back. No. So he pulls forward, he forces it closed like it's going to close, Um and then he, uh, when David Spade comes out, he opens, he pulls on the door handle, and the whole driver's door falls off. And Chris Farley looks at him and goes, "What'd you do?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's the that's the kind of the image that comes to mind. But that's the deal, right? What happened? Yeah. What happened? Oh yeah. We want to know. We had a guy in our youth group, and uh, he came to class one day with a, like a broken arm. And I said, dude, what happened? And he goes, well, I don't know. I mean, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> and he's like, I was with friends, and we were kind of cutting up, and I broke my arm. And I was like, dude, you got to tell a better story than that. I said, just make it up at this point. I said, that's a really boring story. I mean, be like we were fighting, we were wrestling. I mean, you got to tell the cool story. Don't be like, oh, it happened. I said, no, you you gotta you gotta milk it a little bit. Yeah. And of course, here I am, a Bible teacher in Bible class, telling a kid to milk his story and make it sound better than it was. But I did, and that's what happened. But I was like, man, tell your story. You know, don't say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it it is. I mean, it's it's how things uh, it's how things occurred. Um, it's how we figure things out. It's how we discover new areas, new pathways, new. Um, ways of doing things is by by asking that question. Uh, sometimes you do things by accident, and you accidentally discover a new way of doing something. Um, you know, I I kind of liken it to you know you're. I'm, I was working on uh, Jody's car, you know, several weeks back, and I just. Um, I just could not get this pin to go in the brake pedal and the brake booster. You know, and so it's underneath the dash and it's tucked up by the firewall. So you're contorted. My feet are up by the ceiling. My head's down underneath the steering wheel. I'm pressed down in there. My elbow's got to bend three different ways to get in there. 
and it's just a pin. It should go right through all the holes, and it should just snap in place. And um, I, I, I think I spent a day and a half trying to get this done. Um, and then my friend comes over there, and he reaches up in there and just goes, boop, and snaps it right in. I'm like, what'd you do? Yeah. Tell me. You know, because I know I had to do this again. So, you know, what did you do that made that so stinking easy? Um, and so asking that question, you know, helps us to, you know, discover other ways of doing things, um, other ways of imagining, you know, what could transpire. And so uh, we learn so much just by simply asking the question, what'd you do? What happened? Yeah. Tell me the story. Because that's what we want, right? When, when I say what happened, I don't want to, duh, I broke my arm. Yeah, no. You know, yeah. I want I want to know. Want, I want the details. Give me the right. deets. All right. And I'm going to ask you, do you have any clue what in the world no, I'm no, supposed we, we, we to do? No, no, we can't talk about this. With Free the Dinosaur. This. I'm intrigued We can't talk now. about this. Uh, oh, we man. have time. So we have, we it, have it, two it, minutes. We do so have time. It, it is a story. So um, let's see if I can show the screen maybe nope it's not gonna work but i have a scar on my finger i have i had i think it was three stitches where i cut myself <laughs> with my pocket knife and uh i came out and i was like you know i didn't want to think i didn't think i need stitches i was like ah it'll be fine and uh my parents thankfully convinced me otherwise because the cut was deep and i was looking at it going that hurts but I don't need stitches. It'll be fine. I don't want to go anywhere. This is stupid, right? And they're like, well, what did you do? You know, <laughs> you see your, your child coming out with, you know, a sliced finger. And they're going, it's okay. You know, what did you do? And I said, I was trying to free the dinosaur. And they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? So, and I was like, I wasn't young. I was like probably already in high school. So, I mean, I was just being stupid. And... I had this bouncy ball that was the size of, mm, it was smaller than a baseball, but bigger than, you know, mm -hmm. just a tad smaller than a baseball. And there was a dinosaur inside this bouncy ball. And I was like, I wonder what this dinosaur feels like <laughs> inside this ball. So I'm like sawing this rubber ball with my pocket knife that doesn't, that I don't even know if it was half serrated. Or have serrated. Right. It was probably just a straight blade. And I'm cutting it, but I'm also knowing you cut away from yourself. So I'm cutting away from myself like this, and it slides over the ball and slices my finger that I'm holding the ball with. And I cut my finger open trying to free the dinosaur inside That's my bouncy ball as a, like a 14, 15-year-old who should have known better. But I, – and I still didn't get the dinosaur out. No, so the dinosaur is still imprisoned. Correct. Correct. That's a bummer. So thank you for that, uh, Jerry. No, I like that. Hey, I've Dad. learned something new about you. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have discovered something, and maybe I'm figuring uh, just a little bit more out about, uh, about your psyche there, right? Um, oh, it, oh, and he's, oh, I forgot. It was one week before Honor Band. So I had to play my clarinet with, like, a, a wrapped-up finger. And uh, that was talent. That took talent, let me tell you. Not just yeah. – not to brag on myself, but not that to took brag. talent. But – not yeah. to brag, but. Um, <laughs> um, there's also, um, as a part of the, the setup to kind of what he's going to talk about through the, the four acts of, of the story, 
uh, he gets into this section, and this is where I really connected to where where he was going. Is he says sometimes it feels like in life we've been dropped into a movie forty five minutes in. Yeah. Um, and so you know the life that you're leading, you know you're here, and you know that there's something else going on. You know you see that things are occurring. You see the presence of other things that are around you, and so you know that there has to be something bigger at play. Um, but, you know, I don't really understand where we've been. And I, I love that analogy of being dropped into a movie theater 45 minutes into a movie. Um, I don't even like starting a series of, of a TV show. Like if I see something on television that I've kind of wanted to watch and I see that it's on, if it's not the pilot episode, I'm going back and I'm going to watch the other episodes before. I, I can't get in on episode four. Um, because I need to know what's going on leading up to it. Um, you hear that, Fox? You killed Firefly <laughs> because you did that. Okay, we're coming at you. <laughs> Drop right but, in the middle. Life is that way, though, doesn't it? I mean, it just kind of really feels like is. you're here, and it's like, all right, what's going on? What am I yeah, supposed to be doing? What's here? going on? And and I like what's what he said right before that too, and before this section, he again pulling in all kinds of references. He pulled in the Matrix Reloaded. Where Neo said, I just wish I knew what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right? He goes, I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. We feel lost because we've been, we feel like we've been dropped in the middle of this story. And we go, okay, what's my job? What's my role? I feel like maybe maybe we say what? I feel like it's not my story. And it is your story, you're, but you're also part of a greater story, which we'll get to later. But it's so important for us to – I think it's important to ask those questions. Because without asking questions, we won't have answers. Right. And ultimately, this all kind of leads up to, to connecting to that the bigger story that God is telling. Absolutely. Right? And so when you look through here and, um, you know, the pages are fragments of a story that seem important, um, at least we long to know that they are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that... That longing to me really captures kind of what it is to live. We were talking last night in class, started a class on First Timothy, right? And, and First, Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, all kind of come with this same attitude that just says, "Hang on, hang on, don't give up. Um, it is always too soon to quit. So mm-hmm. press on." And he spends these first really two chapters talking to Timothy. And one of my one of my elders actually reminded me, you know, Timothy is preaching in Ephesus where Paul preached for three years. And can you imagine being the guy that has to follow Paul as a preacher? <laughs> you know, and Paul is telling Timothy, hey, your work matters. Your job is yeah. important. Uh, yeah, it's hard, and you're in a hard place doing a hard thing. Um, but don't give up because what you do matters. We have that longing to know that what we do is important. Uh, and makes a difference, and we see that there. Any uh, any thoughts along those lines? Man, I, I think uh, I like the part about the fragments and and wishing they had value and and realizing that there there is value because a lot of times, you know, if we link this back to the quote that I just mentioned about the I wish I knew what I was supposed to do, we almost feel like sometimes that if we don't know in that moment what we're supposed to do then it doesn't really matter and that we don't matter and that we really don't have and that our role is not really important every role is important 
and we all and again in God's big picture we all have a job we all have a role and we may not in that moment know how important or what that might be but we know that we we are playing a role yeah and and that has to have value um, being in band speaking of band with my dad's comment when the whole band's playing a song it sounds proper it sounds as mm-hmm. it's been written there's times in honor band when it would be okay we're going to play this without the percussion and uh percussion you need to look at that again so we'd be playing it for a little bit without the percussion and then he goes and i'm you know i'm playing but i'm also listening and i'm going this doesn't sound right yeah and then it'll be okay guys okay percussion you play and we're all not going to and no one else is going to play it for percussion and i'm going what song are we playing i don't i can't tell what this is and then okay we're going to play but without the basses so no brass Mm -hmm. or no you know no bass anything so just you know woodwinds no basses and i'm like okay this sounds really weird when you hear a singing group, a quartet, sing without the bass or without the tenor, you're missing the higher or the low. You're going, this is missing a key piece. Or I tell you, here's my really big pet peeve with that. Um, and I see this on TikTok a lot. Someone has a song. It happened with the Wellerman song, the old Irish sea shanty. This guy sings this song, and this guy comes in, and he says, I'm going to add some bass. And he sings the melody three octaves lower. I'm like, that's not bass. That's just a lower melody. Just because it's low doesn't mean it's bass. Right? Because there's a part that goes with that low part. Um, and if sung on its own, it's just a series of bum, 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 bum. And it doesn't probably sound the greatest. But when you tie that into the melody, it just gives a depth there that it didn't have before when it was on its own. Yeah. Um, so it has to be done, but it has to be done... Um, properly and as it was designed um, you can't have a bass pretend to be a melody and it's not going to function right yeah you know there's yeah. a part uh, only the biggest play. yeah only the biggest full toed mozart he had too many notes okay <laughs> i mean so okay dude you don't know what you're talking about what note are you going to take out right mm-hmm. wasn't that his reply what note do you, would so, you yeah. remove you know right. tell me which note to remove and and then but the whole piece is now completely changed you you know it's the same with our story and the story we're playing a role in you take a part out of it and it's a completely different story and it's not the story that was intended to be told yeah and i like this uh, there's a quote from neil postman and you know he's talking about the scientific view of you know story and origins yeah and you know he says uh, it's the story of our origins and to our end, to say at the least, unsatisfactory. To the question, how did it all begin, science answers, probably by accident. And to the question, how would it all end, science answers, probably by accident. And to many people, the accidental life is not worth living. Um, and, and the thing about the story that God is telling is, he says, hey, it's not by accident. I mean, there is a purpose. Uh, you do have a place. Um, in this in this grand narrative uh, and I found that to be really uh, really pointed in, in really summing up what it is and why it's important uh, for us to really understand uh, that the nature of that character so no ab- absolutely I really like that an accidental life is not worth living and, I, and he said now to many people but I would say to most people or to all of us 
The accidental life is, I mean, no, because there is no accidental life. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, this is God's story. And, and I'm here playing my part in it. Now, I can still have, now, now my story can still play a part. We talked about that two weeks ago. Still has a vital role in his story. And, and, mm-hmm. and that, and, and that, that has value. And it's super. Uh, it's just super encouraging. And it gets to this the next section when he says we're all part of that larger story. And sometimes it's just us wanting to know where am I, so I can know where to go from here. And that's really, I think, the the what's begging the question. Well, and there is this as he uh, as he begins to kind of wrap up the the prologue before he gets into the real uh, meat of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this. There's a section where he looks and he talks about the role that Christianity plays, you know, in that, that, you know, we're longing for something more. We're longing to be told that, that there is something more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to know that what we're doing has purpose, that it's intentional, that it makes a difference. Um, and, and Christianity comes in, Christ comes in, God comes in and says, I've made you for this. Um, and, and I've given you, and I've given you a life to live and a story uh, to be a part of, um, and it's so much more than than what we have often used as in Christianity, even in churches. Um, but he says, you know, a story, an epic, something hidden in the ancient past, something dangerous now unfolding, something waiting in the future for us to discover, and some crucial role for us to play. Christianity, in its true form, tells us that there is an author, and that he is good. The essence of all that is good and beautiful and true, for he is the source of these things. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he sets that up for this happy ever after that, you know, we all want um, the difference between the fairy tales that we watch and enthrall ourselves with and the gospel of Jesus um, is the happy ever after that you find in Jesus is not a fairy tale. Uh, yeah. You know, it's the truth. And it's not it's... something that's chasing after the wind. You know, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. and I tried to find, and people say, oh, he was trying to find happiness. Well, perhaps. But he was trying to find meaning and purpose mm-hmm. in life. He says, man, I, I tried to seek purpose in wealth and relationships and stuff in my job, in my power, in my status. And all of it was what? Vanity is vanity, chasing after the wind. Right. And then he summed it up with saying, here's the purpose of life. And it was to what? To honor God, to seek God, mm-hmm. to obey him. And, and I love in this, in this in the epic book where we, you just read about the hidden past, dangerous unfolding, waiting for us to discover this future. But the next part is the part that I really want to kind of pull out for our, for our listeners for you know, some crucial role for us to play. Mm-hmm. You might be saying, well, I don't like, you know, again, every, uh, every one of us has an important role to play. There are no unimportant roles. People in the plays know, oh, I'm the shrubbery. I don't have an important role. <laughs> Man, without the shrubbery, there's no scene. There's no set. Shrubbery? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I went there, but you get what I'm saying. You know, without the set, the play looks wouldn't be able to capture that imagination to right. put you into the story. If you've ever done something without a stage, 
it, it's a whole lot harder to captivate that attention. And he's saying you have a crucial role for to play. The uh, when he gets into uh, you know Act One, uh, he calls Act One eternal love. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really appreciated and have always enjoyed uh, this uh, relationship since I captured it. Uh, he gets into Once Upon a Time, right? Um, yeah. And you think about all the stories that begin with Once Upon a Time. Or if Once Upon a Time doesn't float your boat, maybe long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, when, uh, oh man, now I'm trying to remember what story it was that my dad always listened to that said, way back when, before the hills got dusty, old Noah started <laughs> chopping trees and... Um, Are the what? So, now sit right there as a tale, a tale, a tale. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, it takes us back to something. It takes us back to an origin. Uh, and then he goes, you know, God's story isn't so different. Um, it yeah. starts with in the beginning. Um, but, you know, in the beginning, in Genesis 1, is the part of Act, is the start of Act 3. Uh, you know, John 1. Verse 1, the second in the beginning, takes us back to the first beginning. The beginning before the beginning. Before God began to create the heavens and the earth. Um, And, you know, he painted a picture. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen The Last of the Mohicans? Uh, Maybe a long time ago. Maybe like an edited version or a scene. When we were in school, the teacher was like, here, we'll watch this scene. But I don't think I've ever seen it in its completion. Okay, well, so he paints this picture of, you know, the, the opening scene of The Last of the Mohicans. You know, he says there's no words spoken. They don't need to be spoken. It's just three men on horseback blazing through all sorts of things, and they're running together. Um, and he said that's what John 1 takes us back to, uh, the Trinity. He goes, there are images of the Trinity um, riding through the chaos um, together, and the, the three of them are, are what they have. And so... There's this deep relationship that is embedded in the character and the nature of God even before the creation of the heavens and the earth. Um, you know, in the beginning um, was God, and the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so you have this closeness of the, the Trinity that exists uh, before our beginning even. I mean, it takes us back there with that that imagery of, of once upon a time. I, I love, I love that metaphor. I love that, that image. Yeah. The, the once upon a time. I like that. All right. Just, he's setting the stage. You know, it, I, I, I like beginnings. People are like, Oh, I don't want the beginning. Give me the, the action. Mm-hmm. Well, without the beginning, without the, let me set the stage for you. The rest of it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, that's why certain companies do better with certain movies than other companies. Because you're bought into the characters. And uh, not calling out DC and or anything. But, <laughs> you know, whenever you don't have the buy-in or investment into characters, there's less care. Because you didn't set the stage. Now, I'm about to get attacked by some DC fan, I'm sure. But... That's that's what the the most of the audience are saying, the, you know. And just like without the setup, if we didn't know there was a relationship between the Trinity, 
it would mean that it would be a little bit less real, I think. Mm -hmm. and, and that might be dangerous to say, but I don't think it is. Because otherwise it wouldn't have started with in the beginning. And then talk about God and the Father and the, and the Spirit hovering over the waters. I mean, they're all there present. And that's mm -hmm. so important for us to understand to set the stage for what's going on. And, and really not just what's going on, but whose story is this? And, and yeah. that's the that's the important piece. So, um, since you mentioned DC, have you seen the new director's cut of the Justice League? No, I have not. Four hours oh. in a four by three? Come on, it's worth it. I um, heard it. I heard about that. I'll, I have I have a baby. I'm taking care of. So you can't watch the Justice League while you're feeding the baby. No, I don't know. We'll we'll oh. we'll we'll work on it. We'll work okay. on it. No, it, even if you – I have not seen it all, but the parts I've seen, the story is much more rich. Um, and That's I'm actually heard. thinking they should have made this into two movies and produced this movie. Yeah. Um, it was supposed nearly, to be like a series. Yeah. A miniseries. It would have, it would have been a great miniseries. Yeah. It would have been a great miniseries. Um, the, but just the, the storytelling is much deeper. The, the plot is much deeper. It's not as broken because when, when the story breaks – you know, it's like mm, something doesn't feel right. And you know that something doesn't feel right. Um, the same thing is true for, for many of our views with God. I mean, when science tells us that, hey, this is just accidental, however it comes about, it's just, it's just a math equation. Everything is scientific. I know there's science behind it, uh, but there's also some, some really unique qualities about the life we are living. Some very intricate and detailed qualities um, about the life that we are living. You know, that when you... Okay, I mean, have you ever looked at the, the way a flower is put together? I mean, a flower. Oh, it's crazy. You know, and the way the petals are woven and the way all of this is, you know, created in this little seed that you plant in the ground and, and all this life springs forth. Um, or the, the stages of a baby. You know that's growing, you know, along the way, and the human body and the anatomy and those kind of things. And you just have to look and go, man, the the detail here has to lead me to to believe there's something more that God intended for us. And and it's not just science. A lot of our religious views have left us with this view of God that has him as this standoff. Um, we've we've kind of been through the gamut, right? That is, does God interfere at all? Or is he just, did he make the clock, wind it up, set it down, and he never again comes and interacts with his creation? Um, or is he just this Avenger God that is just waiting to destroy? Or is he up there with like, with a magnifying glass, playing with, playing with ants on an anthill? Um, but we've so seen God as this detached God. Um, that we have often forgotten how deeply personally connected to creation God is. We're made in his image. We have a piece of him. His life is breathed into us in the beginning. Um, and he sent his spirit to dwell within us when we uh, come into his body. So um, it's just an important thing that we need to remember is the very personal nature um, of God. And he invites us into his story. Um, yeah. Not just not just invites us, 
But even looking at, you know, and, and I know that's the language used in this book, but it also reminds me of really remembering that we've been adopted by God. Not just being invited, but he said, you're now my mm -hmm. family. You're not unimportant. You're not just a sideshow. You're not just an extra in my movie. Right. You're a main character in my movie. There are no extras in the story of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was talking with a friend about um, the difference in being welcomed and being allowed in places. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so like sometimes there are there are some places who say, "Oh no, we will we'll allow anybody to come in." But we will allow you to come in, but when you come in, there is an expectation of how you will behave and present yourself when you come in. Um, if I say you are allowed in my house, um, that means you are allowed to enter my house. And look, I mean, even people who are welcome in my house, there's still some things that we expect. Um, <laughs> but in being welcomed into my house, it means, you know, you don't have to knock. You know, you, this is this is your place. Um, my friend Mario tells me all the time. He says, "Hey, my house is your house." And uh, when I, that's right, mi casa su casa. And if I show up and knock on the door, he opens the door and he goes, "What are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, like, you don't <laughs> knock on my door. Like this is your house." Um, uh, unfortunately, at our house, we have a devil dog that likes to attack people that come into our house. And so uh, my daughter's boyfriend came in the other day, and he knocked on the door. And so I opened it, and he it was it was Britton. I said, dude, it's like, what are you knocking for? And he goes, um, I'm never really sure where the dog is. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. I said, well, you basically um, live here when you are at your house. You know, this is your house. Anything we have is yours. So, But there is that welcomeness. And, and God doesn't just invite us in as a visitor. And we're not a guest. Um, he invites us into his story, and he says, you belong here. This is your story. I wrote this story for you. It's the story of me. It's the story of my life. And he says, and I want you to come be a part of it because it's your story as well. Um, just a powerful, powerful way of understanding what God has in mind for us. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a good way to end on reminding everyone that you are welcomed you're not a lot you're not just allowed and that mm -hmm. that you are important that you are designed to be important you're designed to be essential and uh, i'm reminded of what paul said about uh we're all what many members but one body and when each part is doing its job properly makes the body grow mm -hmm. and uh, we all have a I'm role sure. in this story and uh, if, if one body part just decided to say, oh, I'm taking the day off, we would really not like that very much if it was our physical body. Um, same as with the spiritual. Same as with the story of God. You're important. And we are, we are glad to share this story with you and to be a part of the story with you. Yeah. And uh, any other thoughts, Josh, before we close? No. That's it. We'll get to awesome. act, act two and act three next week. Yes, Act the 2, Act 3 evil. next week. Yeah. That should be some good I like, stuff. I like talking about villains, so that'll be good. 
Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I like being the villain, right? Anyway, thank you for joining us on Crossways, uh, where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. We want to remind you of First Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. We want to thank the Ministry League for allowing us to be a part of their network of podcasts, and we'll see you guys next week.